Uh, you know, there's been such a... I think we've talked about this like every week, and I don't know how you could not talk about it really, but uh, just God is doing something really amazing in the house since the end of the summer, and particularly just sort of it's come into focus in the last six weeks. God's just, he's really moving on the house, he's moving in people's lives, it's just, you know, people are seeing breakthrough where there hadn't been some, we've just seen God really move in a powerful way, and I, I really want to honor that this morning, I want to honor that with my message, I want us to begin the message in prayer, and uh, kind of similarly to what Pastor Kevin has done a couple of times in the past, I'd like to invite up a uh, a couple of people just to join me, to pray for me, to pray for the church, that just the message that God has imparted to me is, is delivered in a way that is representative of, of his heart for us, his will for us. So I would really like to invite up uh, the Bible that talks about John and James as the, the sons of thunder. Well, I like to think of Pam and Pauline as the, the daughters of thunder and lightning. So please come up and join me. Please come and join me. And if everyone could stand. We're just going to pray over this message, pray over me, minister just to the congregation. That just This is a message that is impactful and one that, that, that leaves us sort of changed. Amen. Amen. Thank you very much, ladies. Please, grab a seat, grab a seat. So we are uh, continuing our The Rise of Champions series, and uh, it's one that just... I, 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 anything that sort of has the idea of sort of champions and, and sort of arising that idea that, you know, a champion is even, it's still a champion even when they're down, but they can arise. There's always has the capacity to, to get up off the ground. That sort of is the, the hallmark of a great champion, the ability to, to rise once more. And, uh, you know, it's just, it, it such talks about just our relationship with God. You know, God is so amazing. Just there's so much splendor and majesty to him. We are so blessed to be able to come into his presence, to, to just enjoy just as he, as he sort of, as he envelops us, as he speaks into our lives, as he talks to us. You know, God has just got so much that he wants to reveal to us just in our lives, through the course of our lives, individually and collectively. As a church, there have been so many promises that, that God has sort of uh, placed within us, placed upon us, placed upon the house. And individually, we carry those. They, they sit within each one of us. We, there, are, there are promises that God has outlined, promises that are in the Bible. And then, then when we read them anew, when we read them afresh, they, they, they seem alive in a new way. They, they seem perfect for the context in which we're living, the circumstances in which we're dwelling. You know, there's, there's something so amazing about the promises of God and the promises of God I've been thinking about them these are um, I feel as if they're the promises of God are an extension of God they're an extension of them. They're, they're because they are. They have His purpose behind them. They are not promises that just are spoken out. He crafts those promises. He is a crafter of promises. The, the promises within the Bible are ones that He has carefully crafted for His church, for the people of God, for His children. He has crafted them. They are. They are carefully spoken. They are precious and they are important. And there's a there's a splendor and majesty upon them all. It's it's such a privilege to be able to sort of experience that to to entertain that to to engage with that that's that is our blessing as as christians you know we we come in almost on on the first promise of a promise of salvation but but that is that is the first of many promises amen that's the first of many promises we begin to unveil them he begins to reveal them in our lives the promises of god stand and they and they are ones that just that we can look towards because they are an extension of him they are a part of him they are they are part of his word a part of his breath and they are related and connected to him forevermore. And, you know, these are, this is the amazing thing of God is that those, those promises stand the test of time. And, and yet at the same time, 
in our humanity, in our, in our, in our natural state, uh, we can be very temporary. Like, we can, we can view things on a day-to-day basis. And uh, I, uh, I had a, a challenge recently in my life that, 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 that caused me to sort of almost sort of suspend the promise that I knew sat over me. I, I had an instance occur that, that turned into a moment that developed into a problem that felt a lot like a catastrophe. Uh, I don't know. Hands up who owns a car or is responsible for a car in any way. Hands in the air. Come on. Be bold. It's good. All right. So a lot of you guys here. So what you might know with cars is that uh, cars are great, but they sometimes go wrong. All right? If you haven't experienced that, I pray you don't. Uh, But what you often find with cars, what you can find with cars anyway, is that the problem itself, the problem that develops, the remedy that is required seems totally out of proportion. And let me give you an example. So a couple of weeks ago, uh, I was driving around and uh, I lowered my driver's side window and it wouldn't come back up again. It's just a window, right? Windows are just windows. Like, they don't affect the wheels, they don't affect the engine, the brakes still work, the cruise control still happens. It's just a window, right? So it can't be that severe a problem. It can't be that critical an issue. But it turns out that uh, Toyota, in all of their wisdom, in all of their infinite wisdom, there was a little part on my window mechanism. No, I have an electric window, so get me. All right? Uh, I don't want to brag anybody, but it is electric. But uh, I wish it wasn't electric now. <laughs> and there's just a little part of it that, that broke. And Toyota, in all of their wisdom, felt, well, why would we just give people individual parts that could be easily replaced? We'll just attach that little part, that inexpensive, insignificant little part, to a motor. And once again, in their infinite wisdom, they're they're not really, Toyota, I've found, don't really do much in the way of sort of after-sales care, in terms of they, they don't really, they don't really want you to buy a new window part, this is when you buy a new car. So, uh, (laughs) so I had to buy this, like, motor to replace the motor that still worked fine, just this little bit that had broken. And what I found was what seemed such an insignificant part became very significant when I got the bill. When I got the bill, I was like, oh my goodness, it's a window. Can I cope with the window being down all the time? <laughs> Maybe if it was summer and I lived in Miami. But, uh, <laughs> but this is Scotland and the wind goes sideways. Uh, the rain goes sideways as well. Uh, so I had to get it fixed. And I'll be honest with you, in that moment, I, I grumbled a little bit in myself. I just, I was a bit, and I, and I grumbled in the sense that I didn't, I didn't blame God for it. But at the same time, I was like, well, look, God, I just really feel that, you know, I, I tithe. I'm a faithful tither. I, 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 I tithe. That's, that's what, that's the, the covenant that I have with you. And, and part of that covenant is surely I should be protected from the devourer. I, I just sort of got this little bit of like niggle in me. It's like I, this sort of stuff shouldn't really happen to me, should it? God, I've, I, I, I tithe and uh, this is rubbish. I have to waste my money on a window that I only use once or twice a week. And, uh, <laughs> and I got this little niggle. I got this little grumble. And, but over, I, I, I would like to say within five minutes I changed my heart. It was probably a bit longer than that. But uh, after a, a, a period of time, uh, I had a sort of a change of heart. I, I, something sort of within me shifted. Something altered in my sort of perception. And what I, what I really did was I, I had a bit of a reevaluation of the benefit of the 
privilege of the relationship I have with God. And, and something kind of occurred to me. And I, I went back to Malachi 3, which is a great verse that talks about uh, uh, tithing. And I'll just read it to you here from uh, verse 10 onwards. It says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, if I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing that there will, be no room, uh, there will not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And I was led to a, to a further verse in a Proverbs 6 that says, if he is caught, he must pay sevenfold. If he is caught. And what that kind of alluded to me, what that, that reminded me of, something that I felt I, I, I should have known and probably did know, but had, had, had skipped over was, you know what? The promise remained. The promise remained. That, 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 that promise, that covenant of tithing remained. God is honorable. He doesn't stop being honorable at any point. He is honorable. Yeah. The enemy, not so much. The enemy is not honorable. The enemy steps where he should not step. The enemy intrudes where he has no access. But we can rebuke him. In fact, God rebukes him for us such that when he is caught, when you recognize that you have been, you have been uh, taken unfairly, unrightly, where you are stand within covenant, that, that he must pay, repay sevenfold. That he does not get away with taking away from what you have protected in the name of the Lord. And, and, and you know what? There are promises that surround our lives in all sorts of ways. Promises like that, but promises upon everything. Promises about healing. Promises about prosperity. Promises about he, uh, just, just having peace. And often we... We fail to receive the fullness of those promises. We fail to receive them because in the moment of calamity, we sort of, in our carnal state, opt to kind of criticize and to, to blame and to grumble. We, it's just sort of the, the natural proclivity of mankind is that, that when you're sort of uh, bopped on the head, like you, you, you get hit up about it, you get angered by it, rather than recognizing that the promise remains the promise endures, the enemy just needs rebuked. The enemy just needs to be told he has no right there any longer. The promise remains. God's promises remain and they endure. You look at uh, uh, Abraham in the Bible in his 70s. Him and his wife Sarah were told they would have a child. They hadn't had any children at this point. They would have a child and, and and then it took like 20 odd years for that to actually come into to fruition. And in that 20 years, it's not like Abraham acted dead honorably in that time. He, 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 he sinned, he, he backslid, he, he deceived, he strived, he did all number of things that would seem to disqualify him from receiving such a promise. But the promise endured. Yeah. The promise remained. The promise was bigger than Abraham alone. The, the promise was one that was uh, an avenue to a nation set aside for God. It was a promise that related to Jesus coming into the world. It was a promise that related to salvation for all of mankind. There was a purpose to that promise. And that purpose sat even greater than the one who had received it. God's promises for your life, they are not just about us. They are about his will. They, they encapsulate his will. Like I said, he crafts them. They are carefully crafted. 
And I just believe today, and my message is, is really about this, is, is I think there are promises within this house that sit upon this house corporately and individually that are to be rebirthed. There is a rebirth happening at this time. I feel so strongly that God is, there have been promises that we have presumed to be lost. We presume that they've gone. They presume that they have been forgotten about. But they haven't. They've just lain dormant. They've just lain dormant. If you think about a, a volcano that is dormant, on the surface it just looks like, just looks like a mountain. It looks dead. You would have no idea that there would be anything going on under the surface. But there is. The lava swirls, the the pressure builds, the plates clang against each other. There is activity beneath and at the right time, at the perfect moment, the top blows off and the volcano is realized once more. There is a rebirth happening in this church, a rebirth happening in people's lives throughout the church where you have received that promise and thought that it was gone, but God is going to return it back to you right now. And see access to God's promises. They... They come through a narrow yet distinct path. They come through a narrow but a very distinct one. To appreciate the promise is to acknowledge the promise maker. It's to acknowledge the promise maker. And and a promise is only as significant as the promise maker. I have a little boy called Ben who's three years old. And after he strikes one of his brothers or sisters, he promises me he will never do it again. And although he's a charming little boy, his promises often lack a certain degree of gravity. God's promises don't lack gravity. He created gravity. <laughs> there's, there's no lack of gravity. The significances of his promises are they, are, they are made whole, they are made complete, they're guaranteed in the fact that he is God. God Almighty, a promise in God is significant. It stands the test of time. It will endure and it will remain. And it's, it's in the esteem, it is in the praise that we heap upon God that the power of those promises are realized. It is in, the, in, it's in, that, it's in that just giving ourselves over to him. You know, turning our hearts to, to glorification, just turning our hearts to, to one of worship, to one of praise, giving our hearts over to him. It, what it does is it, it, it puts God central to all the things in our lives. Often, we make God one of the many things that gravitate around us. One of many things. We, he's one of those things. But when we put glory, we, we, we give glory to his name. What we do is we reposition, we repurpose our lives, reprioritize our lives. And we place God central that he becomes the access around everything that gravitates around our lives. Our lives begin to gravitate around him. And, and that is the place of prominence, the place of priority that, 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 that worship brings. Worship expresses honor. Yeah. At its absolute root foundation, Worship expresses honor. I, I, I think music is a pretty fascinating thing. Music and, and, and songs are, are fascinating because if you think about them, this is a little bit of a generalization, but a lot of songs deal with kind of the condition of our heart. I mean like any songs, like worship songs, but just secular ones. They often deal with uh, our emotions or the emotions of the songwriter that we then in turn relate to. They, they talk about emotions. They talk about affection, of disappointment, of, of regret. They talk about many of these emotions and, and these thoughts, these uh, ideas that we have that, that can be sung, yet 
it would be very difficult, I think, for many of us to speak in such terms. To, to be that vulnerable, that open, just, just in normal context. Maybe in the most vulnerable and intimate relationships you feel that you could. But at the same time, we can often be a little clamped up in ourselves. And yet music has this tremendous ability to relay the real innermost thoughts of our heart, the, the emotions of our heart. It's, it's really quite incredible. You, you would think if you ever said those... It's like if you ever say the words of a song to someone, it comes off a little corny, right? Because... We don't really speak like that, but songs are like that. Songs have the capacity to convey love and affection and emotion on a way that that doesn't seem corny, that doesn't seem uh, transparent. They seem purposeful. It seems beautiful. And worship, worship is a place where we just, all of the... All of the preconceptions, all of the obstacles that, that come when we're trying to say stuff, they almost disappear. The song just goes right through it. And, and we are able to sort of just convey to God the honor that we hold him in, the esteem that we look to put upon him. There's, there's something so moving about music and song and worship and praise because what it does is it, we're able to place him in that place of priority. We're able to position him in that place of priority, to put him above all else, to, to really focus our minds upon him and recognize him for who he is and what, and what he has done and where he sits in our lives. And I, I, have, I have three verses with three pictures that I want to share with you. These, these are, to me, quite prophetic pictures they they came to me in prayer and and I was moved by them and I felt that they were absolutely an expression of God towards the church a a direction for the church and so I want to share with you these these three scriptures with these three sort of pictures that that we can take from us it's great to have scripture because you can always go back to it it's great to have a picture because a picture tells a thousand words and and I want you to be able to take those things go out and, and 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 let them sort of live beyond just the sort of the time that we have here. So if you have a Bible, turn with me first to Isaiah 35. <coughs> We're going to look at verses 1 and 2. Can I have some water, please? Okay. The desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and shout for joy. The glory of Lebanon will be given to it. The splendor of Carmel and Sharon, they will see the glory of the Lord. The splendor of our God. This is a pretty cool desert scene. Deserts are parched land they are desolate they represent death because nothing really grows there it's very difficult to survive there you you have to be some sort of particular kind of rodent or reptile to be able to uh, flourish in those sorts of uh, conditions and yet this talks about a desert scene that bursts into, in, in, into bloom, that these crocuses come alive. And, and this is a, a, like a quite a natural phenomenon in, 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 in the world where, where you have these deserts that won't see rain for years at a time and are just, this, this, the, the, the ground is baked and it's, as I said, it's desolate. And yet every few years, the, sh- the, the rains will come and, and they will fall onto the earth and, and very shortly afterwards, all of these seeds that had lain dormant 
in the, in the ground burst forth into life. And just suddenly you have this desert scene that is full of color. You have these beautiful flowers that are just everywhere. It seems completely out of place. It seems, where did they come from? And, and it was the rain that brought them into life. Now those, the, those seeds, I think, often represent for us promise. And there are promises, as I said, that have been sprinkled upon our lives, that we've received through the course of, as we've been through church, and maybe some of us have grown up in church, and there have been promises, there have been words that have been spoken out, and they have been like seeds, and they are seeds that have gone into the ground. But, but after years, you, you wonder, where has it gone? Why, why, is it, why is nothing come? And, and there, are, there are sometimes these are promises that we, we really hold on to, we're desperate to see, and and I think that, that in those moments, it's very easy, or not even those moments, in those seasons, it's very easy for us to be looking at the ground. Look to the ground and say, grow, 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 grow. You look to the seed. I knew that was buried. Grow, grow, grow. I need to see this flourish in my life. Grow, grow, grow. And, and, and the the problem is, right, that as you're doing that, you're, you're looking down and, and, you're, and you're, you're, you're speaking down into the ground and, that's not where the breakthrough comes. You don't prophesy to your problems in that way. You don't speak. If you're just a person in, in the desert shouting at the ground, you are a mad person. That is a mad person who walks around shouting at the ground. The breakthrough didn't come because the ground just suddenly gave way. It came because of the rain. Came because of the rain. And the tremendous thing about worship is we take all of our focus away from the issue. All of the obstacle. We take it away and we give it up high. We place it on high. We place it to the heavens where the rain comes from. And we deliver our worship and our praise to the God Almighty who sends the rain. We do not make the rain happen. You cannot, you cannot cause that thing to grow. Only God can. Only God can, and it is when we give up the, the desire to control, the desire to strive and let go. And just let go and speak to God. God, you are glorious. God, you are the God of the desert. God, you are the God of my circumstances. You stand above all things, and this promise will come in your timing because it is by your will and not mine. When we give ourselves over to God, when we, when we allow ourselves to let go of that need to make stuff happen, the grace of God takes over. Amen? The grace of God takes over. Worship is our reign. Worship is our reign. It comes from the opposite direction from our issue. Let God take care of the issue. Let us take control of our hearts. Let's discipline our hearts that, that in those times... That we do not strive to see breakthrough, but we give glory to God, who is the only one who brings great breakthrough. Amen? Amen. Right. My second verse. Psalms 105, verse 39. He spread out a cloud as a covering and a fire to give light at night. They asked and he brought them quail. He fed them well with the bread of heaven. He opened the rock And the water gushed out. It flowed like a river in the desert. For he remembered his holy promise given to his servant Abraham. He brought out his people with rejoicing. His chosen ones with shouts of joy. He gave them the lands of the nations. And they fell heir to what others had toiled for. I want you to imagine with me for a moment. Just to imagine just an outcrop of rocks. Just, Just a big rocky 
outcrop. To just be standing upon that. Just imagine yourself standing upon that, that rocky outcrop. And, 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 and those rocks, they're bare. Bare rocks. And bare rocks are, they are barren and they are unyielding. They, they, they don't, they, you might be able to glean some, some moss from the surface. You might find a trickle of water that's gathered there, but, but that is hard work to find very little. I think often when we come to God, we, of, we often pray about ourselves, right? We, that's not probably a totally unusual thing. It's maybe not one that we brag about, but, but, but we do do that. We, we will come to God and we'll, we'll place ourselves front and center and we'll, we'll pray to God for the things that we want to see happen. We, the, the, the prayer of advancement in many ways, the prayer of ambition, the prayer of, of, of God, just, just please promote me. And, and these are the prayers that are focused upon ourselves, that are the, the self-centered prayer. I think those prayers, I believe those prayers are a lot like trying to glean from the surface of a rock. Like you can find a little bit of something, but it is very difficult. You are gleaning from the surface of a rock when you, when you pray exclusively for your own benefit. When, and, and even when your hopes really lie in that, where, where, you're, where you are dedicated to seeing breakthrough for your own life, and you place that front and foremost in priority above all else. We're all guilty of doing that. I know that I am, and I'm sure many of us are when we are alone and admit that. <laughs> but I saw, imagine that rocky outcrop. Imagine it right next to the coast. And you see the waves begin to crash over it. You begin to see the tide come in. And I just saw this picture of, of the, this rocky outcrop just sitting by the coast and the waves beginning to flow over it. And as the wa- uh, waves came over, as the tide came in and the, and the water began to seep away, what was left behind was the rich deposit. It was the fish. It was the lobster. It was the great deposit of God. And, and what that revealed to me, it was, it was like actually in that verse right there where it said, like a river in the desert. A river has no business being in the desert. Desert is barren, but a river brings life. And what I realized was there is, a, there is a momentum. There is a momentum in our honor to God. When we bring honor before God, it creates a momentum. It creates a tide. Worship is our tide. And what happens is we push out in worship. We push out. We take our eyes off of the ground, off of the, off of the rock, out of the, the self-promotion, of the self-congratulation. And, and, and we push out towards God. We push out in honor. We push out in glory to his name name and what happens is the tide returns there is a response there is a spiritual dynamic whereby God he just he 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 sees that it captures his heart and he moves with us and he brings back and all that we had hoped for all that we had put our lives uh, before him for even if we haven't even necessarily asked for them God brings into our life he deposits them in my life in our lives I remember when Laura and I had uh, recently when we had been married for a very short amount of time and we'd only really just started coming to this church and in the mornings uh, I'd sort of engineered the morning such that I would get up at a particular time and put on worship music and I, or sometimes not even put on worship music but I just pray and I just find myself worshipping I just find that song in my heart and I, I just praise God and I just worship him and there was not really any particular sort of motivation behind it it was just just a real desire to just be in his presence and it was in those times 
lives. It was in those mornings, I remember the flat, I even remember where I was standing in the flat, where, where God really first deposited the idea <clears throat> of, of being a pastor, of, being, of, of, of living a life for others, of having a life that has compassion, that, that would be an encourager, that would be a builder up of people's lives. It was in those moments when I wasn't seeking it, when I wasn't asking for it, when I didn't even really know what it meant, when I certainly didn't understand the repercussions of, 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 of such a, uh, a call upon a life, that God began to plant those seeds. But he began to put that idea in my mind. And, and, and throughout our lives, Laura and I, it's just God has carried us upon that tide. He's carried us upon that tide we, the, to never seek one's own promotion but to receive it by God's grace that is the tide that is the worship the worship is our tide when we put honor to God before all else he honors us he honors us he deposits in our lives a rich deposit it might be a deposit of 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 healing it might be a deposit of breakthrough of, of 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 family stability it could be any number of breakthrough worship is your tide. It is when you are in momentum with God, when you're in relationship with God, where you push out and he returns. He responds. Amen? Amen. A final one. If I could get a keyboard up here and, oh Jay, you wouldn't mind playing a little, a few chords on your acoustic guitar, would you? Thank you. I was worried you were going to say no there for a second. Yeah. <laughs> Deuteronomy 5, verse 9 to 10. I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children of the sin, for the sins of their parents to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commands. I've thought quite a bit recently about just the lineage of this city, the lineage of Aberdeen. You look around, it, it's in the, uh, as you look around, you see churches everywhere, you see them all around, and, and some of them are still churches and some of them aren't, but, but there is a rich lineage in the city of, of, of loving God, of loving God. This was a church, this was a city that when it was being built, even from the foundations upward, loved God. And that might not, you might not see that as much today as you think you might have a hundred years ago but that lineage is there and I was thinking about that lineage and I was thinking about the buildings I thought well you know there must have been streets and cul-de-sacs where every single house the, the people would get up in on a Sunday and they'd go to church and they'd praise and there'd be like whole streets where that would happen and there'd be streets where there was churches being built and people would just bring it just with your finance and, and and time and sacrifice to see those things built up to see those houses built up and I got caught up in the idea of the the lineage and the relationship with God being one that was wrapped up in the buildings and I felt God really challenged me on that see it's not in the buildings I bless a thousand generations from those who loved me a thousand generations is like a ridiculous amount of time it's like saying forever basically Three or four generations, we could, some of us could even maybe think back three or four generations. A thousand generations is forever. Jesus was only born 2,000 years ago. It's not been a thousand generations since then. There might not have been a thousand generations since the beginning of the world. It means, like all mankind, it means that in mankind is threaded something. 
that it's like there is a, if you imagine like when you're mining for gold, there are rich seams of gold that, that you look for, those veins of gold that the miners look for. In all of mankind, in all of the people in this city, there are these seams of blessing and love that hearken back to the Father. They sit within them and, and, and as, as, as Christians, you know, part of our, uh, our, our desire and, and will just that, that's been sort of excited through God is, is to see that realized, to see those people brought back into God. And I'm sure some of us have probably realized that it can be pretty disheartening to try and do that through intellectual debate. Intellectual debate will maybe get you so far with some people, but the reality is you can't convince someone to believe. You can't convince someone of faith. But song and word and honor and worship, it resonates within the innermost part of man. There's a saying, rings true. You ever heard that? So something rings true. And the, the, the origin of that saying, ring true, is back when they used to make money and they would use literally gold and silver to make that money. So the money would like actually have value to it. People would try and sort of mess with the system, would try and fraudulently, they would take the gold or the silver and they would, they would melt it down and they would make it sort of less valuable. They'd put less valuable metals into it so that it would reduce the quality of that metal. And that'd be a way to sort of try and trick the system to, to put fraudulent money into it. But it was, it was discovered that you could find out what was fraudulent and what wasn't. You take that coin. If you don't think, if you don't like the explanation that you're hearing, you drop it to the ground. And if it makes a sort of a, a dull sound, a dud sound, you know that that thing isn't true. You know that thing isn't right. But if you drop it down and it hits that rock on which you're standing and it rings out, it gives off that note, it tells of the truth. It doesn't matter what somebody's saying. They can try and tell you it's the most real thing in the world. If you don't hear that sound, you aren't going to believe it. But when you do, you cannot unhear it. It breaks through every single argument. It breaks through every single obstacle. It penetrates through any objection. That sound that just rings forth. Worship rings true. I encourage you here today, church. We need to bring worship out of this house into the world around us, into the city around us, because worship rings true. Because every man, every woman has a seam of blessing, a seam, a vein of love for God within them that cannot be reached by argument, cannot be reached by debate. But when they hear that sound, when worship rings forth where the adulation, where the, where the adoration comes forth from us. It meets that person. It says what no argument could ever say. It speaks of truth. It speaks of life. It speaks of a place where you belong. It answers every single question. The sound of worship echoes out and resonates within the heart of man. It is, it is if, if we think of the Bible as being like our map, Worship is our compass. Worship is, worship is our compass. It draws us towards Him. It draws us towards the heart of God, towards His, His love for us, His presence. It directs us into that perfect understanding, that perfect interpretation of His promise, that His promises make sense in our lives. And so, 
if we could all just stand we're going to worship in a few moments I'm going to ask the band to come up because